This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. I'm your host, Arum. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Let's start the show. This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast, and I'm excited to bring you today's guest, Mr. Tayo Obiosu. Tayo is the founder of Pagatech Limited and serves as its CEO and member of board of directors. Prior to Pagatech, Tayo served as a manager of corporate development at Cisco Systems in San Jose, California, and he uh, went to school and started his career in the Silicon Valley area. Today, Paga is a payment business with two primary channels, a network of physical stores and an online and mobile platform. I've given a very brief introduction, Tayo, and I was wondering if you can take time and fill in the gaps for the bandits that are listening. Arum, first of all, thank you, thank you very much for uh, having me on the Knowledge Bandits. Yes. It's, a, it's a real pleasure and privilege to to be here. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I think you hit the nail. I mean, I uh, was born and raised in Nigeria, um, and you know, left in um, in in 1994 to go to to undergrad in the United States mm. um, and studied electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and, and after that, went to go work for for some uh, startups in Los Angeles. So I guess I got my startup bug at a you know relatively early part of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and then I worked for Deloitte Consulting in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 from there to business school at Stanford Business School. And you know, and I think there's um, if I look at my career, my you know, my my education, I think. My time at Stanford was actually, you know, very critical for me in that there's something about being on that campus and being around so many startups and so many people who have um, created the things that we use today um, and having some of those people come into class, talk to you, that really inspires you and really makes you feel, and I think this is true in general, that the sky is the limit. Um, It's really what you put your mind to. Um, and you know, and, and so I, I left Stanford with a very strong desire to change my community and to change my world and to have an impact mm. on the world. Mm. Uh, um, and and so when I I was at Stanford, I actually thought very much about moving back to Nigeria. Mm. Uh, and, and you know, but people who I spoke to at the time in Nigeria when I visited were very much don't come yet. Uh, and this was in two thousand four. Mm. Uh, Nigeria felt still like you know still about who you knew, not what you knew. Yeah. Uh, and, and they said, you know, build your career in the U.S. first. Um, and, and so I did that, and I, you know, went to this long period of introspection about what I want to do in my life, where I want to be, and, and, and what do I want my life journey to be about. Um, and, and, and through that process, so really came to the um, realization that what I really enjoyed about consulting, what I really enjoyed about my previous experiences before business school was helping to solve problems, helping to bring ideas to life. Mm. Um, and I said, you know what, I'd love to come do that on the African continent, primarily in Nigeria. Yeah. And, and I'd love to do that as an investor and to mm. invest in other people, to invest in their ideas, to help them make their ideas a reality, ideas that hopefully change and impact um, my country. And, um, and so, you know, that thinking is really what led me to Cisco Systems, uh, which you mentioned in mm-hmm. the intro, um, and and joined the. You know, I was trying to figure out how do I marry my my technology consulting background with my desire to learn the investment skills for a venture capitalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I joined Cisco's corporate development team, um, where 
you know, really, it's one of the most acquisitive um, companies in the world and, and one of the companies that makes a lot of investments in other startups. And it was just a fascinating experience for me. I mean, when the first deal I worked on was is now really what has led to this whole concept of the, you know, the Internet of Things. Um, mm. And, you know, and so that was just seeing that over a period of years now, like, that, was, that was just fascinating. But I remember at the time people were like, what are you all talking about? Like, mm -hmm. you, you get to the office and the, and the elevator is set to go to your specific floor and your lights come on. You know, <laughs> it was just sort of like so futuristic for people. They're like, what? You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, so but I think that experience was really helpful to me. Um, and, you know, and, and, and it's what also helped spur my um, eventual move back to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and a lot of friends in 2008 were encouraging me to move back to Nigeria. And one of them said something that really hit home to me, um, a guy named Fred Swanica. So Fred, actually, hopefully someone that you, you get to speak to in the Knowledge Bandits. Yeah. Um, I think he's doing fascinating work in education. We can talk about that a bit. Mm. But, um, but I think, you know, he said something to me that really hit home. He said, um, you know, Tayo, you know, Nigeria felt to him like where India and China were 15 years ago. And this is in 2007. Mm. You know, he said, you know, you'd seen steady growth in Nigeria. You'd seen, you know, we're in the second term of, of, of democracy. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, imagine if you were, if you were in India 15 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, the kind of impact you can have is to be Tata, Infosys, Accelomital, yeah. um, you know, um, Bharti, mm -hmm. Airtel. Uh, these are no longer Indian conglomerates. These are global names. Yes. Um, and, and he said, you know, that's the kind of impact you, you can have if you move back to Nigeria. And, and that really, really hit home with me and resonated. Mm. Uh, and I think was a, a real impetus for me to make the move when I did. Mm. Um, and I'm glad I did. Um, and, you know, I, I joined a private equity firm uh, called Trevant Capital when, mm. I, when I moved back. And, you know, did that for about six months and left with a strong desire to do something entrepreneurial. Um, spent about three months looking at different ideas before I really honed in on what is now Paga, mm. and um, yeah, and, and in a in a couple of weeks here would make would be seven years I've been on this journey, oh. uh, and very excited about it, and mm. very happy to answer questions about my journey and entrepreneurship, Nigeria, um, and share whatever knowledge I may have or insights I have with with uh, those listening to the Knowledge Bandits. Yeah, I mean, great introduction. I think that was uh, very informative and lays it out very well for us to go through this uh, this podcast and really get to figure out what Pi, what Pi Guy is doing and how it's impacting Nigeria and also how you came to be doing it. And I think just starting at the top, um, how did you stumble upon Paga? I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of things going through your mind. You seem to be a very technical sort of person, so I'm sure you you sort of thought of different things. How did you uh, stop on Paga? Yeah. You know, um, I'll I, I tell two stories on this. Um, I, you know, I, I really had an epiphany about this business um, mm. one day in 2009. And, um, and at the core of it was really out of my own frustration, carrying cash around everywhere in Nigeria. Mm. Um, I mean, frankly, this afternoon, even um, before I came uh, onto the podcast, um, you know, we still have the issues. Is the point I'm trying to make. We, before I came to the podcast, I went to go buy food, and and I had and I and I gave him my debit card, and it didn't work. 
Um, and so thankfully I had taken some cash with me and I, mm-hmm. and I give him cash. Now, eventually what we want is to be able to just pay with Paga there, right? Yeah. Where we're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. But, but it's just the frustration of carrying cash around with me in Nigeria now. And, you know, so the, so I remember it was on the, very distinctly, it was on a Friday, I had this epiphany and I spent all weekend thinking through it. And I said, you know, look, um, I have a mobile phone signal almost everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I don't have one on MTN, I have one on Glow. I have, if I don't have on Glow, I have on Airtel. If I don't have on Airtel, it's on a T-Sala. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the question I asked myself was, can the mobile phone be the primary means, not the only means, but the primary means of delivering electronic transactions? Now, I quickly realized that it's not even about the mobile phone. It's about internet connectivity, mm-hmm. right? Um, and can any connected device be used to make payments and receive payments? Yeah. Uh, and that's really sort of where this started. Now, about two months or so into my, you know, actually of all the ideas I looked at um, in my exploration period, this was the one I spent the least amount of time on before I was convinced <laughs> I had to pour my life into this. And and the real thing that, dri- that, that drives me or you know, that made that commitment for me was that there's no way commerce is affected without payments. Mm. Uh, and if Nigeria is to be the $200 billion consumer opportunity that McKinsey estimates by 2020, mm-hmm. if Nigeria is to be the giant of Africa again, um, we have to solve payments for everybody, mm. not just the banked, everybody. Mm. Um, and, and even those of us who are banked, like the example I gave, we still have issues with payments. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's really what like led me to, to do this now. It was, it was fascinating because two months later, I then stumbled on my journal. Hmm. Um, and, in, and so this is in 2009, right? April 2009. Yeah. Uh, two months later, I've made it, you know, um, June. And so I looked back at my journal. I had a journal entry from October 2008. Um, and, and I remember I was at the Abuja airport when I, when I wrote this journal. Mm-hmm. And I listed 20 different ideas that I thought would um, would be um, great ideas for Nigeria hmm. uh, to go do in Nigeria as an entrepreneur. Number 10 was mobile payments. Hmm. Um, number 11 was banking the unbanked. Hmm. Um, and, and I had a line going from 11 to 10 saying, do these two go together? Um, and do they go with number, um, I think it was number two. And, and number two is a, a cloud-based payroll solution. Hmm. And, um, you know, fast forward now, we're doing all three, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so, but, but it was interesting that I had, I guess it, it had been percolating in my head somewhere before hmm. the epiphany, hmm. right? Um, and that I had about it, but, you know, but I haven't turned back since and just been very heads on and, and, um, and it's been, you know, a very rewarding journey. I think we're making a, a lot of progress on this business, um, we now have about four four million plus users on our platform. Wow. Um, we have you know over nine hundred thousand active users. Hmm. Um, you know about a million registered, and about nine thousand nine thousand agents um, in all 30, in thirty five of thirty six states in Nigeria. Um, and these are the you know the retail outlets that you, you mentioned, mm-hmm. where people can walk in. And go to an agent and say, "Hey, I want to send money to um, a room. Here's his phone number. 
um, and you will receive that money instantly. You can go pick it up at another agent or at an ATM without a card. You do mm. a cardless transaction at the ATM to pick up the money. Um, or we can send money to any bank account in Nigeria instantly um, or pay bills, you know, open a savings account. Um, we're working with the banks now to do cash in, cash out with their accounts. Mm. Uh, so, you know, pretty much financial service points in the local community yeah. um, and, and payment points where people can actually go, go make payments. Mm. Interesting. And we sort of see that, that entrepreneurship is uh, sort of test your skills of how reactionary you are. So when you started this, is is this exactly what you had in mind or were there just some things that the market showed you um, you, you had to get into? So I would say, you know, when we, when we started, we haven't veered too much from the original vision mm. um, and the original path. Now, I think the timing of things have been different. Mm. Um, if you told me, you know, seven years ago that, the agent network would be the core of our business today, um, I would have said, no, I don't think so. Mm. Um, I would have said it's a critical part of our business, um, but I didn't think it would be the core of the business. And, and so that's been, a, that's been a fascinating learning for me to mm. see and, and just to realize that there's just such a demand for what we're offering there. Yeah. Um, it's the toughest part of our business. Um, and so that's why, you know, there are 20 something licenses, but, almost none of them are competing really on the agent network hmm. uh, business. Hmm. Uh, and because it's just a very tough business to execute on. And so we've been fortunate to have a great team of people who have, you know, just been, you know, able to really, you know, really led by my co-founder to just execute on building that agent network hmm. um, and, and scaling it. And so that's been, that's been really good. So, but yes, I mean, I think, you know, as with any you know, battle or war you go into truly mm -hmm. once you get into the battle, <laughs> you leave the plans behind because <laughs> you, you, you have to deal with the, the realities that you face. So, so yeah, there are times that we've had to do things that were sort of outside of our original scope. Um, and I can think of, you know, two particular times we've done that. And, you know, while we've pulled away from those things eventually, like they actually helped us at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, some of these things you just have to, to be willing to to move fast um, and pay attention to what the market is doing, you know the way I, I say to a team is, you know, product market fit is is, is critical, um, mm. and, and it's something that there's no. If you're being honest, you know whether you have it or not. Yeah. Uh, and and it's very simple: is that you're solving. You have a product that meets a demand in mm. the in the market a need, and people are buying it. Yeah. If people are not buying, then you don't have product market fit. Right? <laughs> it's just something. Yeah. Um, so it's very plain. And I think, you know, when I look at our business, I think there are places where we have product market fit very well. Mm -hmm. um, and there are places where we're still trying to figure out yeah. to get real fit, you know. Mm. Uh, and so, so yeah, and, and that leads you to sort of adjust and, and mend things, you know, as you go. Mm. That's, that's really interesting and fascinating. Um, one thing that I want to go back to is you spoke about how you wrote down 20 things that you thought would be cool for Nigeria, <laughs> most impact Nigeria. And I'm really yeah. comparing that to the way Elon Musk started um, his career. He said he sat down and wrote some of the things that he thought would most affect humanity. And I think yeah. it's, it's this sort of mentality that bypasses doing things for the money but can you explain uh it, it might be sort of 
difficult for you to think like that, but a lot of people go into things looking at the financial benefits, but how can people sort of shift their mindset and do things that they think are going to be most impactful rather than just most beneficial to themselves? Yeah. So, I mean, to, not to overstate it, right? I mean, I, I do think, but I think I'm thinking back to the list and, and there are things on there that were definitely things that I thought I would just enjoy doing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with an, and maybe wouldn't even have like major impact on society, so to speak, right? Yeah. Or just things that I enjoyed. Um, so I think there was a mix on that list. Um, but yeah, but I think, look, um, it's hard, right? Because, you know, I think for everybody, you have to find uh, or define what your purpose is, right, on this life journey. Um, you know, I tend to believe that you define it um, rather than find it. Hmm. Uh, and and so so for me that's you know saying okay why am I here why am I given all these opportunities um, the reality is that you know there's a Yoruba adage that says you know um, that you know all your fingers are equal but they're actually you know they're I mean they're all different sizes but they're equal right mm. um, and they're equally fingers and without one of them you you know you 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 feel the struggle of you miss that particular finger mm-hmm. uh, and. You know, and, and what it's trying to say is that, you know, we don't pick what family we're born into. We don't pick what situations we're born into. Um, and so if you are fortunate to be given all these opportunities, what do you do with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and do you, li- do you leave the world a better place than how you found it? Yeah. And so, so for me, when I think about my life purpose and, and what I try to encourage people to think about is, is you know, what really matters to them and, and, and why does it matter and... You know, can you shape your 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 your, your life work around that and, and do something that is beyond beyond you? Because you will leave whatever wealth it is, you're gonna leave it behind. Um, you know, and so what people are gonna remember about you is what did you did you change the arc of anyone's life, right? Um, and and did you have impact in any way in people's lives? And it, you know, and it's interesting because like from my perspective personally, like I remember when I started Paga and, you know, having a conversation with the marketing team and, and I'm not one that likes to be in the papers or, you know, things like that. And mm-hmm. they were like, no, you're going to have to be the face of this thing. And I was like, <laughs> what? I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, I've now embraced it. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, but, but for me, like, I really don't care if people know what that impact is publicly. Mm-hmm. It's more that I know what that impact is. Um, and that, you know, and when I see it, it's, you know, then, you know, gives me my own satisfaction. So, you know, but again, there are people who, you know, and, and look, I, I, who am I to fault anyone who says, hey, I just want to make a billion dollars, right? I mm. mean, like, if some, that's their goal and someone wants to make that, then I also would say to that person, embrace it, right? Mm. And don't die from it and say, you know, that's your goal. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I do think that, um, you know, there is so much opportunity in this world and so many things in different sectors um, to make an impact that, I hope people would, um, you know, would, would put, you know, the ability to leave the world a better place ahead of um, personal gain. And, you know, and along the way, I think you can merge those things as well. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, I think, you know, I, I tend to think in, in Nigeria and Africa generally that every entrepreneur is a social entrepreneur because mm-hmm. uh, there's no business here that you're not impacting, whether it's job creation, mm-hmm. uh, 
and almost every person who has a job has about four people depending on them, hmm. right? Um, and so you're really helping other people's people's lives. Um, I got a call the other day from, you know, my my uh, washman's uh, daughter thanking me, and I'm just like, why, why are you thanking me? <laughs> you know, um, but she's thanking me because he can pay for her university. You hmm. know, and, and I'm thinking, and he's uneducated, and here is his daughter going to university, and you know. Um, and that must just be the world to him, you know, that that is happening. And, yeah. and that she took the point to call me. And he's been the one person that I've, since the day I moved to Nigeria, mm. has worked with me and very consistent uh, for seven years. You know? mm. So, um, so yeah, so I, you know, I, I think it's about finding how you, you impact your world and, and hopefully um, leaving the world a better place. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that, that, that sort of leads into the next question I have for you is, uh, you, you, you spoke a little bit about the team that you have in Ethiopia. You obviously have a fairly large team working within Nigeria also. Um, but what sort of advice would you give to people who are thinking of starting their businesses and starting sort of uh, thinking about building global companies? How, how should they really approach that as they come back to um, uh, their various countries from diaspora? Yeah, well, I think the you know the aspiration to build a global company is is awesome. Um, you know, I I like to tell people that you know our Africa strategy is Nigeria, mm. um, and our Nigeria strategy is Lagos, <laughs> um, and and I and I really mean that. And and I think and 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 what that means is you know you've got to Seth Godin said something recently in a session I was in that you know you've got to start small. Mm. And you've got to stay small enough with ability to scale that. Mm. Um, but it's just minimize your problem, the, the, the number of dimensions or issues that you have to deal with. Um, and, and so when I think about that from an execution perspective to your question, I think, you know, people should focus on the market that they're in first and just nail that market and mm. just kill that market, right? And, and if you, if you're able to do that, then you will later have the liberty to go do other things. Now, unfortunately, where Africa is today, um, you know, and the investment landscape in Africa, especially for early stage startups, does not give you the luxury, the companies in, in the Western world and, and you know, the, the more developed world mm. have where they can just keep growing and growing without profitability. Mm. Um, I think mm. in, in, in Africa right now, just in the state of where we are for venture capital, it is imperative for businesses to get to profitability quickly, mm. right? Mm. Uh, and, and, and really focus on a knitting. Now, I don't think we also always have the luxury of being able to just do one thing, right? Mm. Um, and, but, you know, in the, in the process of, you know, maybe doing multiple things, trying to make sure they're all related things and that there's economies of scale across that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then once you win, you can then move to other markets, right? So if you take, you know, us as an example, you know, we have, uh, we have about 200 people working on Paga. Mm -hmm. um, about 20 of those are in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And that's our engineering team. Um, it is led by a uh, Nigerian American um, and, you know, and has another Nigerian on the team as well who is uh, fairly senior on the team. 
but it's primarily an Ethiopian Ethiopian team. Hmm. And you know, and it's just it was a bit of coincidence that 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 came to be the case. Um, but they're some of the best engineers I've I've worked with. Hmm. And you know, we've looked at the Ethiopian market as a place to go into. Um, we've had several conversations with the regulators, with banks, etc. We understand the market very well. Clearly, have a local partner and presence in the market. Um, but it would be a real distraction for us at this point, right? Because mm. we still need to win Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, and so when people ask me about like going into other markets in Africa, I'm like, yeah, one day. Um, but the reality as well, and I guess this is the fortunate part of um, doing business in Nigeria, the share size of Nigeria is that, you know, if you add up many of these markets, they don't compare to mm. Nigeria. Right. Mm. Uh, so Lagos has a GDP that only I think four other countries on the continent surpass. Wow. So the state of Lagos, which is just you know one of thirty-six states in mm -hmm. Nigeria, has a GDP larger than most of the most of the of the countries in, in, in Africa. Wow. Um, and the population of about twenty million people. Mm -hmm. And and I actually think those GDP numbers are low. Right, mm. because a lot of the economy is informal and it's just not even yeah. factored in. Yeah. Um, so there's just such an opportunity in this place that you know, if you if you can focus and get it right, then you have the opportunity to then go into other markets. Now, definitely, in the you know the way things are at this point in terms of exits, you know, people would want to see multi-country type things. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's. Um, I think, you know, again, my view is that all that is still too early to, to let that be what drives you into other countries. Mm -hmm. But wow. uh, that being said, though, I mean, look, if, um, you know, I remember advising a couple people, um, they, they didn't take my advice, but <laughs> I remember advising them, they had a great business idea and they're executing it here in Lagos. Mm. Uh, and I said to them, I'm like, why are you doing this in Lagos? Mm. This idea is an idea that works anywhere in the world, mm. right? Um, you're moving back from the U.S. to come and do this in Nigeria. You know, if you feel like you have already have enough, you know, there's competition in that business in, in, in the U.S., go to South Korea, mm. right? Somewhere else. You know, like mm -hmm. go somewhere mm -hmm. else where there's just things work already yeah. and that you can immediately scale this thing. Mm. Uh, and, you know, they didn't take my advice on it, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching keenly how they do here in Nigeria. Okay. And uh, so you talked about uh, a little bit about attracting top talent uh, with your team out there in Ethiopia and how that sort of adds to the success that Paga is seeing now. But I just want to ask generally, how do you say startups can attract top talent and also cultivate talent as well? Yeah. So attracting talent is, is very tough. Um, you know, I think, you know, people... You know, pe people want to be, work on something, and, and this has been my experience, that I think what really attracts people to, I think what really attracts people to come work with us at Paga is, you know, the the vision um, and, so, and knowing that we're working on something that's bigger than all of us. Um, and the ability to also, you know, make decisions and be able to actually lead their area, right? Um and and not just be a cog in the wheel, in, you know, in 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 in, in their place. Mm -hmm. um, so I think sort of 
the combination of those things um, help attract talent. It, but it's still tough to find really good talent, right? I mean, I think we've just been very fortunate um, about that, I think, up and down in our company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're now, you know, sort of in that place where we're transitioning to how do we train, how do we, you know, um, upskill even the people who have um, provide the relevant trainings, etc. So a lot of over the last six months, we've spent a lot on training. Mm. Um, and this year, there's just a huge training focus mm. um, and different types of training for different types of the team of, of um, for different roles, right? Very specific to roles. So the sales team is going on, you know, I was being updated this week, the sales team is going on training next week. Mm. Um, I mean, next month, sorry. And, you know, the customer service team, I think, had a training yesterday on, you know, on, on communication and, and written communication. Um, and, you know, and, but it's also about, and, and the, these investments to the company and people seeing us make these investments in a year where we've said we will be, we, we need to get a profitability this year, right? Mm. Um, but we're going to invest in our people because, you know, I can't imagine what it'd be like if we don't, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's, uh, I think those are the things that help and dare people to, you know, to also staying in your company and staying and helping build the vision. Yeah. Um, but it's not easy. I mean, I, I, I found, um, and I've gone both sides where I've hired too quickly um, and, and, and made, you know, wrong hiring decisions. Mm. Um, to the other side where I've taken too much time before I hire um, but well, one thing is very clear to me when you when you do hire someone is that within three months you would know mm-hmm. if it's working. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, need, you don't need it very much longer. Um, and and then it's about being decisive about um, you know what do you do then, but making sure that you um, always are giving feedback, um, mm-hmm. whether formal or informal. You know, I, I don't believe that, you know. Um, Things like that should, you know, letting someone go is very, very tough um, and should never be a surprise to someone. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And what would you say are the top three difficulties in starting a business in Nigeria? Maybe something that's not necessarily a problem in the San Francisco area or wherever. Mm. Well, I mean, our biggest difficulty is access to, right now, I think is access to angel, angel money. Hmm. Um, we do not have, um, you know, we do not have people who are, um, geared up to invest in, to be angels, to entrepreneurs, Hmm. um, where the very early stages of this, um, and, and I, and not because there's no money, there's actually a lot of wealthy Nigerians, Hmm. um, you know, but they're not yet used to the idea of investing in somebody else Hmm. to, for them to run with something. Hmm. Uh, they're used to investing in their own business and their own real estate project in, you know, in things that they own and control. Hmm. Uh, so, so that's, I think is the biggest challenge that we have. Hmm. Um, I would say the, the other challenge is one of what, what we just talked about of finding talent yeah. um, and finding a crop of, you know, people that, I mean, if I were in the Valley and I was trying to start a business, um, I, you know, from a few conversations, I might be introduced to other people who are, you know, who are equipped in one aspect of that business, etc. And before you know it, people who I didn't even know before, we formed a team, hmm. right? Um, so you, we don't have that yet. We don't have, you know, that wide crop 
uh, a network. And, and one of the things that I actually want to speak out more about here in Nigeria is that we, you know, I, 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 I want, I want, um, you know, a lot of the middle managers, um, how do we encourage middle managers in FMCG, at the banks, mm. at the large companies to leave their cushy jobs and take entrepreneurial risk, mm. right? Need to get to that point because the, the, the flip side of this, of, of this talent issue is that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the people who are, you know, business ideas that I see, a lot of people who come talk to me, um, don't, don't have, um, the, um, experience already in terms of man leading and managing teams, right. Mm -hmm. Um, executing to, to a business. Now it doesn't mean that it's impossible for them to, to gain that, mm -hmm. but you know, globally, um, the average successful entrepreneur is in their, is in their mid forties, mm -hmm. right. Or starting a company in their mid forties. Mm -hmm. And, and so there's a reason for that, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, so I think the talent problem is, is the second, is the second big problem that we have. Um, and then, and then, and then I think third one, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a weird one. Um, and it's hard to explain, but it's, there's a certain, and Nigeria in particular, um, there's a certain difficulty with doing business here that you just don't experience in other places. Um, you know, and it's just the infrastructure, whether it's the infrastructure, you know, the generator having to be on, having to worry about the generator and the generator goes down, mm. having to think about that, um, whether it's, um, you know, internal control issues or, or people trying to siphon money from you within your company, you know, like, mm. or, or regulatory, you know, issues that you have to like think about and try to make a logical argument, but logic doesn't necessarily win. Um, <laughs> You know, there's just so many, you know, just the Niger factor, right? You know, yeah. there's a lot of things I could put into that, that you wouldn't have. I mean, and I'll give you one example in our case. Um, you know, it took us about two years to get our license um, from the Central Bank of Nigeria. Um, and if we were doing this business in the U.S., similar to PayPal, right? Mm -hmm. PayPal had to go to every single state in the U.S. to get a license. Mm. Uh, I'm sure it did not take them two years to do that. <laughs> Hmm. Um, and I'm sure Elon Musk did not go to more than one of those states himself personally, right? Yeah. Um, the lawyers just took care of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not the case here, right? Mm. You can't do that. Um, and so, you know, if you just, you know, it's, um, so these things are, you know, make it harder to do business, hmm. do business here. Um, and, you know, and I think, and so it's a, it's a, it's a it's sort of a catch-all, but I think there's a lot of issues around that. Um, and so my advice actually to entrepreneurs in Nigeria is, you know, even though I'm in a regulated business, I actually say stay out of regulated businesses. Um, and, you know, as an, as an angel investor in businesses and um, about to start with a friend, uh, an angel club, you know, we are very much looking at, um, you know, businesses that are not regulated and we're very much looking at businesses that are very consumer um, driven certain sectors that we think can, um, can there's opportunity to scale um, and, and, and reduce some of these um, factors. Now, being in a regulated business um, in Paga and, and, and with the success we've seen, I, you know, I've now learned personally how to deal with regulator mm. um, and have a 
relationship with our regulators. So I'm, so I'm, so I'm very happy about that. Um, you know, but you know, but there's a cost to being regulated, and there's a cost. You know, we have a full-on compliance compliance team. You know, um, mm. that pays attention. I, and there's, I guess, there's generally cost everywhere in the world to being regulated. Mm. But uh, but here, I think you know, you have to pay a lot more attention to to sort of what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I mean, what would you say? Uh, you, you talked about how people are not really used to the idea of being angels but what do you think is going to have to change one or two things that'll have to change drastically uh, to see more of those people investing in other businesses instead of just investing in ventures that they're they're working on themselves so the first thing is we we have we have to see some success stories right Mm. Um, so so knock on wood um you know some of the big startups including paga that that people hear about here are successful and we see exits um so, so that's, that's the first thing. People have got to see that. And, and then when they see and say, oh, and I, and I talk about this publicly, I said, you know, there are, um, I think we have about 34 angels in Paga, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when they see those 34, you know, do well, right? And they know we just, you know, anecdotally, then they say, huh, there's something here, right? Especially those who may have passed up <laughs> investing in Paga. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's one. And I think, I think two is that those of us who are entrepreneurs need to invest in other entrepreneurs mm. um, and, and provide guidance and help, and help them as best as we can. Yeah. Um, so I think you need that cycle to happen. Mm. The third thing, which is a bit nuanced, is that and, and, you know, the limited partners, and these are the companies and institutions that invest in venture funds, um, you know, companies such as the, you know, organizations such as the IFC, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, the CDC in the UK, uh, FMO, Dutch, Dutch organization. Okay. These companies need to allow the, the fund managers they invest in to invest in other entrepreneurs as angels. Because usually there's a, you know, um, because of best, you know, because of conflicts of interest, there are usually rules around how they should not, the fund manager should not invest in the mm. startup. So in our case, and I, and I, and so when I'm in, in, in forums where I'm talking to those kinds of people, I really bring this issue up mm. uh, because I look at us as an example and I say, you know, um, one of our, our, our lead investors is at level capital um, and the gentleman named Yemi Lalude. Mm. And Yemi is someone who I've known now for many years. Um, and when I started Paga, whether he was a fund manager or not, he would have been one of the people I'd have gone to go pick his brain on, right? Mm. Uh, and and I went into I met with him probably every month for a year, just sharing with him our progress and our and updates and how things are going and getting you know brainstorming with him on things. And mm. and, and and I said you know I used to say to Jay, my co-founder, I said you know whether they invest in us or not, at least we're getting the benefit of his of his thinking. Mm. Um, but I think it's a shame that he couldn't even personally invest at that time, right? Yeah. Even though the fund couldn't invest, mm-hmm. right? Um, because he was already doing the things you would want an angel to do, mm. right? Is to help guide the business, yeah. provide, right? and you know, well, for conflict of interest reasons. But you know, what if we, you know, if he was invested, he would have put even more time to make sure that actually this thing does happen, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think it's important for those people who are already the um, smart investors 
to be able to also make angel investments in companies that their fund may end up investing in. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. I think that's that's sort of really good insight. And I think these are things that people can't necessarily get without living in, in Lagos or living in Nigeria, living in whatever country they're they're from, is uh, getting this actionable advice. I think it's 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 been great just listening. No, thank you very much. Yeah. No, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Yeah. And so I mean, I could talk all day about the business and about sort of the, the landscape in Nigeria, but we also want to get to know you as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. here at Knowledge Bandits. So what fires you up in the morning? What's your morning routine? And why is that routine so important to you? Yeah. Um, look, what, what, what fires me up in the morning is um, just the thought that what we are, what we are doing here at Paga um, has a real opportunity to... Um, you know, to impact the lives and make life possible for people, right? Mm. Um, Nigeria could be a very difficult place. Um, and and really what we're doing by simplifying payments and like making it easy to pay and get paid, we're making life possible. Um, mm. And that really excites me. Mm. Um, I'm, uh, I'm up by four every morning. Um, wow. um, but I'm in bed by, by 10 probably. <laughs> like, mm. um, so I do get a, a decent amount of sleep. Um, but I typically these days, um, you know, get up and uh, and go for a run, mm. um, you know, on most days. And and the days where you know, and and if I go for a run, um, I'm usually back in, in the office by eight a.m. I'm a morning person, so I'd actually rather you know start start my day early and get going. Mm. Uh, um, and you know, and and two days of the week I have uh, what I call make time. Um, so for two days, Mondays and Thursdays, when I get to the office at eight, I have no meetings till noon. Mm. Um, and, and those are the, the time for me to actually really be able to focus my mind on things that I have to get done mm-hmm. or about the business rather than be sucked into the business. Mm. Um, and, and I found that to be really sort of really helpful time for me and, uh, and just sort of really be able to, um, prepare myself for, you know, thinking through the different aspects of our business. Mm. Um, and so having that routine and cadence on a weekly basis helps me. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's sort of how my, my days I'm, uh, I'm married. And, uh, fortunately my wife has, uh, a similar sort of, uh, a cadence. She's an early, early riser as well. Mm. Uh, um, and, and, and a much better runner than I am. <laughs> so, she definitely uh we start running together i like to say but we never uh, we never <laughs> wow that's that's good and i mean um one thing i'm seeing uh, as a trend with all the entre- entrepreneurs that i interview is this idea of of taking care of their body also so can you i mean it's it sort of goes without saying but can you just reiterate how important with a bu- busy schedule how important it is to yeah. take time to run no, it's it's very important. I think it's it's um, actually quite critical for you to um, you know not just you know make sure that you are exercising um, because you know entrepreneurship anywhere in the world is stressful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always going to be and, and stress is in the mind, so it's you will make things that make it stressful for you, yeah. um, and you would think about things in a way that you know. Um, will make it stressful. And so it's important to find ways to have a release, um, to have some balance in terms of, you know, how you live your life, um, watch what you eat and things like that. Um, 
And, you know, but beyond that as well, I think it's important for people also to make sure they, they're getting, you know, medical checkups and things, you know, like mm-hmm. that nature, just mm-hmm. to make sure there's no impact in other, other parts of your life. But, um, yeah, I think that's just really, really important. Um, you know, and I think, you know, we've started at, at Paga now encouraging our team, uh, to, uh, to, to pay attention to, to healthy lifestyle and mm-hmm. to working out and things like that. And, and now we have, uh, you know, every other Thursday, we're doing a, a Thursday workout. Um, you know, I, I didn't go to the last one, but but the one before I went to, and uh, and uh, and I stretched the team only for me to, you know, for people to be so tired after a twenty minute stretch. I was like, Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> you're just stretching, and we actually didn't even really do it too much. <laughs> yeah. So so I, you know, I've come to the realization my team's not very fit, so I need to actually. <laughs> really focus on on them as well yeah and i i I think you mentioned very briefly when we started the idea that every startup in in africa is going to have to be uh, a little bit of a social uh social enterprise as well is that you're having to add value to the people's lives as opposed to just building a great product also yeah i mean i actually mean that every startup is a social entrepreneur uh, social enterprise. Um, not even that they have to be, they are, right? Mm. Whether you think of it, you know, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think of myself as a social entrepreneur, but, but you know what we are because we are, and we're, we're impacting, you know, by creating jobs where, you know, not just for our staff in our case, it's actually even for our, and, and opportunity for our agents. These agents are men and women who are entrepreneurs in their local community. Um, and they are hiring people, right? Um, so there's a spillover effect. In fact, there's some work we're trying to do to figure out how many jobs we've, you know, been able to directly, um, you know, bring in aside from just sort of the jobs at Paga, but through our agent network, how many people have our agents hired? Right. Um, you know, because, you know, it's, because I mean, that's part of the story that we need to, we need to talk about more, but I think in general, I, you know, I think it's important for businesses to, not just think about their, you know, you know, everybody always has plans for, for their numbers, right? Mm-hmm. For you want to make this much revenue, you want to make this, but what about the well-being of your, your people, mm-hmm. right? Because the company is the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about the leadership development um, of your people and yourself, right? Yeah. What is your leadership development plan for the year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these are some of these things I'm still working on for me personally, like, you know, like in terms of my own leadership development plan, like, and thinking through that. But I think it's, it's important that, um, that people, entrepreneurs pay attention to these things from an early, from an early stage. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. And, uh, one thing I always like to get a grasp on is, uh, you, you talked earlier about how doing business in Lagos comes with its own unique challenges. So can you take us to one specific moment where um, you felt sort of beaten and, and sort of distraught while starting Paga in, in Lagos? Mm. Wow. Okay. That's a, I need to think about that. Um, what would be a, an example? That would be, gosh. Um, so I think... I think one of the, I'm trying to think of one really good one. Um, gosh, there's so many things that happen, right? I mean, uh, you know, whether it's, I mean, I mean in, in our office has been 
you know, I'll focus on the office for, for a second. So mm-hmm. we, when we started, um, where at some point we had to, you know, we moved into the office of, um, you know, of a friend's friend's mom and pretty much took over her office and eventually, you know, we needed to move out of there and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we're looking for a location in Victoria Island, um, part of Lagos. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so expensive, and and so we eventually moved to Yaba, which is on the mainland. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are one of the first tech companies um, to move onto Herbert Macaulay, which is a very long road in Yaba. Mm. And today, now we're on three floors on on in that building, and the three floors cost us in total uh, less than what it would have cost us for, for one of those floors in Victoria Island. Right. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so just sort of like the thinking of the cash outlay that you have to have for something like that is just sort of, you know, was, was, was crazy. Um, then you have a situation where we moved in, we first moved into one floor, mm. um, and we set up generator, we set up connectivity by radio to our data center, um, and, and, and we kept having issues with the radio burning, hmm. right? Um, because of electrical ups and downs and, and, mm-hmm. and, and it turns out and, and issues with other electrical things. It turns out that the entire building we're in, um, was not earthed properly. Hmm. Hmm. So you call the landlord, landlord's giving you a runaround. Hmm. Yeah. And we have to change it for the, and note, we're only in one floor at this time, hmm. right? And you don't do this for one floor. You have to do the building. Yeah. So we have to pay to do this for the entire building. Hmm. Hmm. Right. Um, these are things that you, you don't think about if you're in New York, if you're in Chicago, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You move into the building and electricity works <laughs> and you don't have to, you know, be the one to pony up the cash to do these kinds of things. Hmm. Um, and, and it took us a while to figure that that was the issue. And, and even after we did it, I think the first time it wasn't done properly, we had to redo it again. Wow. Uh, another time in the same building, we had a, you know, because we had this tower with the radio tower and twice it fell on our building. Wow. Right. And, mm. and the roof and then it leaks into the office. Wow. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot of these kinds of things that you, um, you know, that you sort of have to deal with that have nothing to do with your business. <laughs> Hmm. you know, the core of your business, but they're just surrounding factors that you have to develop a thought, a tough, a very tough skin on. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And I think I, that's something that I see is a common theme. Uh, one of the guys I, uh, I interviewed earlier on said, um, you have to be innovative of how you just approach your business holistically. Uh, he said, whether it's uh, thinking of cheaper alternatives to using power. And for him, he uh, set up huge solar panels and that's uh, good enough for what he needs to work on. And he's also selling some of that power to um, uh, neighboring businesses and neighboring entities. So uh, it's just making sure that you're thinking very innovative. And this is part of why uh, you constantly hear people saying go back and live there just for a little bit or visit so you have an idea of what the, the lay of the land is like absolutely absolutely yeah i mean like it's hard to to you know really get the essence from uh from afar yeah 
Yeah. Mm. And on the other side of things, what is one moment in, I'm sure there's several of these moments, but what is one in particular that stands out to you uh, as a defining point of Paga and of you as an entrepreneur in Lagos? As a defining point as an entrepreneur, um, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. That's a tough question. Um, you know, I think, you know, recently there was a moment I had where um, I, I, I smiled internally, quite big smile, um, because I was just happy on the experience. I'd gone, it was just two weeks ago, actually, I'd, I'd gone on an, an agent visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tip- and I typically do these once a month. I go visit our agents, mm-hmm. uh, and but this particular day, I actually had some guests from um, some international guests who were visiting, and so I took them out with me. And and we're at this one particular agent, and this lady was um, performing a transaction there, and she had filled out, you know, a, a transaction slip, and I, I suppose she had three slips, and so so I, as she was. You know, talking to the um, the shopkeeper, uh, shop assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "Can I ask you a question?" And she said, "Yes." And I'm like, "You know, I'm just curious what you're what you're doing here." And she was paying the school fees for her three children. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she and I was like, "You know, what else do you do here?" You know, she said she comes there to pay her bills. Um, you know, electricity, television. Hmm. Um, you know, but every, every, every term she comes to pay school fees as well. Hmm. And, um, and I was like, how many years have you been using the service in this place and using Paga here? And, and she said two years, you know, and, and it just brought a big smile to my face. Hmm. Um, because, you know, I was like, we're making life possible for her, right? Her store is just down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and you know, and, and it's just sort of like, okay, this is why we do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, I mean, that's more of me just sort of having a fulfillment of saying, okay, you mm-hmm. know what, this is, this is why, why you go through what we're doing, um, and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I mean, but, but there are different moments like that way I, I have a different reflection. Um, you know, but I think the, you know, moments where we get recognized, especially, um, you know, a sort of moment where I feel, you know, very grateful or when our agents, um, I remember another time we had a session with all our agents in Lagos mm. um, and actually most of them all. But, um, you know, and at the end, many of them came up to me and said, we know it's tough, but please keep at it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that day was the first day that it hit me that I usually think about my team when I'm thinking like the stresses I have and like, you know, making sure we keep the lights on for everyone. Mm. Um, but I was like, man, it's not just our team. It's there's 9,000 agents. Right. Mm. Um, and it's, it's their, their staff and yeah. their families and, and all that. And so, um, so yeah, so I mean, there are different sort of experiences like that, that I have that just sort of, um, you know, keep pushing you on. Right. Mm. Hmm. I think that's that's sort of one thing you see uh, from entrepreneurs is that um, some of their most defining and most memorable moments aren't a time where they um, sort of made a certain amount of money. It's always an encounter with a customer and realizing the value that you're adding to their lives. And with that, we're going to enter the rapid fire round. Are you ready? Okay. All right. 
All right. So what would you say was initially stopping you from taking the step to become an entrepreneur? Um, no, I don't think anything stopped me to. Um, I think I've, um, since, since uh, business school particularly, I think I've very much you know, had the sense that one day I will do something entrepreneurial. Uh, I'm not sure I'm a serial entrepreneur, but I, I think you know, I always had that in me that I'll, I'll do something entrepreneurial. Hmm. And would you say that you looked at your business as a business from the start, or was there a point where you saw it as just a project? No, I've always looked at it as a business. In fact, um, I'm, I'm very consistent with the team on this. My goal is for us to build an organization that is around 200 years from now. Um, hmm. You know, if Coca-Cola can be 180 plus years old um, and serve two million bottles around the world every day um, in the most remote parts of the world, there's no reason why Paga that doesn't have a physical physical product mm. uh, cannot be in the most remote parts of Nigeria. Mm. Um, and 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 what that means for the organization um, is that we have to build our processes, our um, everything about the business. Um, independent of any individual, um, and have you know, and think about sustainability um, as we as we develop the business. Hmm. And this is off script, but what is one thing that they don't teach you about being a CEO in B school? <laughs> Many things they don't teach me. Um, so, look, um, the one thing that is very hard to teach, and just nobody teaches you, is that. When an employee comes into your office with an issue, right, mm. be it a personal issue, be it an issue they're having in the office, they don't care what you're going through. And they, they don't know what you're going through. Mm. Um, and their world is their oyster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have to learn to, like, disengage from whatever the other issue is you are facing, mm. right? Um, and focus. I'm, I can't remember the name of this gentleman, but I was listening to um, to an interview um, by a C, you know a CEO in Europe was was being interviewed, and and I really need to go find this um, because and he, and he made this point, and it really just clicked with me. He's you know, um, and and he told the interviewer, he's like, you have no clue that right now, before you walked in here, I just saw an email that we're being sued for over a billion dollars. <laughs> wow. I have to forget about that and talk to you. <laughs> wow. So, um, you know, and he's like, you know, you have to learn to compartmentalize. Hmm. They, that's not taught in business school. Like, you know, it's like you have to hmm. compartmentalize and like really like leave aside whatever it is and hmm. then focus. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. And what quality would you say you have that most contributes to your success as an entrepreneur? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I think I am. Um, I think I'm an open book. I mean, I think I try to, you know, be fair to everyone, um, you know, and mm. and 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 carry people along, um, you know. And I think, and I think that endears people to me. I might, I might be wrong on that, but I, but I think that endears people to me. Um, you know, and, you know, but I, I, I do have strong views and I, and I, and I do state them. Um, but I encourage people to also then challenge those views and, mm. and, and share. So I think that's a question to ask for, <laughs> ask other people. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. And what quality do you think that you need to improve on most as an entrepreneur? Oh man, I think it's in the moment slowing down. Um, 
and and taking a step back um, because I'm I, I tend to even with my strong views I tend to you know I like a you know rapid conversation and driving of you know and sharing of my thoughts and so I have to learn more to to step back hmm. uh, and 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 maybe be more measured and, and before I before I respond to things. Hmm. What's the best advice you've ever received, and who is it from? Um, the best advice I have received was from uh, Kanye Dolmo, um, and I, with respect to running my business, um, you know, and she's a um, accomplished entrepreneur in South Africa, um, just amazing entrepreneur, and she said to me, she said, "Tayo, don't spend too much of your time um, writing the business plan." Hmm. said think of what moves you forward and go do it hmm. um, and then once you do it think of the next thing that moves you forward and go do that hmm. um, and I took that to heart um, I didn't write the first business plan on Paga till two, till 20, 2011 wow. uh, so two years later hmm. and like finished the business plan like you know but <laughs> that's after two years of being in the business and understanding the business very well. Hmm. Uh, so it was a very robust document, but, um, you know, but again, as with all business plans, you wrote it, the people who you wrote it for read it maybe. Hmm. Uh, and we got, we threw it out. Right. I've never, <laughs> and I'll never put a document like that together again. Right? <laughs> waste of time. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, and what advice would you give to a younger Tayo just starting out Paga? Wow, a younger tire starting up Paga, less is more. Um, you know, focus, focus, focus. Really push yourself to focus. Um, there's so many things you could do. Um, just pick one or two and just nail those. Um, and, you know, do the things we did about going into the market to understand what people are saying, you know, rolling up your sleeves and understanding, you know, that, all of that stuff. But, like, less is more. Hmm. And what is one internet resource or app that you couldn't live without? Let's exclude Google, exclude Pagatech. <laughs> oh, um, wow. I'm, I'm looking at my phone. <laughs> Spotify. Yeah. Uh, love music. Hmm. And, um, and every time I'm working, I'm listening to something. So hmm. um, I also love that it, uh, you know, figures out what I like and, 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 uh, and, and bring some fresh finds to me. Hmm. And what's one thing on your, your Spotify playlist that people wouldn't expect to be there? Um, hmm, I don't know what people would expect to be on my Spotify playlist, but um, what would I say is on my... Uh, now, now you're making me look at my playlist. <laughs> or what's, what's like your go-to playlist? Uh, my, go-to, my go-to is some pop, actually. Hmm. Uh, it's, you know, um, I love the... Um, you know, I think I've lately I've been listening to the Rewind playlist, okay. um, you know, from Spotify. Um, and, you know, I think there's some Justin Timberlake that I that I really like as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What, what, some some classics in the making. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And to close out the rapid fire round, do you feel like you've made it? No, um, I'm, I've, I don't feel like I've made it. I think... Um, you know, I have a long way to go in, in the vision I have for for Paga, for myself personally. Um, I think I'm on my way, um, but I don't feel like I've made it at all. Hmm. Hmm. 
I think I think that's that's a great way to end the rapid fire round. Um, you gave a lot of really great advice during it. And I think the bandits and myself actually are better for it. And as we cool down, what is one book that you would recommend to the bandits? Um, the Power of Habit. Uh, why we do the things we do in life and business by um, Charles Duhigg. Um, great book. Um, if you buy it on the Kindle, um, don't 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 feel like you're reading and you're not getting to the end. He has a lot of his uh, the bibliography is very long, so it seems like <laughs> like not getting there. What's going on? But it's a fascinating book about um, you know why we do things. You know, you you asked me earlier about my my morning routine, right? And you know, I don't need an alarm to wake up at four. That's just now a habit. Hmm. Uh, and so. You know, in a lot of businesses, you are trying to change something. Yeah. Um, and in fact, if you're not changing something, you got to ask why. Why would people do that? Like, what what is it you're trying to do, accomplish mm-hmm. in that business? So most businesses, I think, you're trying to change something. Mm-hmm. Um, and and more than likely, you may be trying to change a change a habit. So in in our case at Paga, we are trying to change a lot of habits. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of Nigerians are used to paying cash. People would not have done what I did today where I even attempted the card first. They would have just brought out cash. Hmm. Um, so we're trying to change those kinds of habits. And and so just understanding how habits develop, how they form, why they form um, is is fascinating. And it was, you know, it's a, a very, very easy read as well. Hmm. Hmm. And for the bandits that are listening, uh, on the Knowledge Bandits website, we're going to have a page for Tayo and this information uh, and a lot of the things that he's mentioned will be available. So you can sort of just go to that page and, and find what you need. And also, if you sign up for the Knowledge Bandits newsletter, we'll send that to you directly. So you don't even have to go search for it on the website. And what would you say the value of mentorship is? Yeah, mentorship is... Um very important. And if you're fortunate enough to find people who um, believe in you and who want to help see you succeed, um, you know, it could be very powerful. Um, and I've benefited from a lot of mentors over the years mm. um, and still do. And so for me, the value is having a trusted advisor who you could really open up to and say, how in the world do I deal with X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. This is what's going on. Um, I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know how to do it. What do you think? Have you seen this situation before? Mm. Um, and it's been very helpful to me at different parts of my career to have different mentors. Mm. Um, and so I really encourage people. But, you know, it's interesting trying to find a mentor, right? Because yeah. It's one of these things where, you know, and, and I get this, you know, a lot where people come to me and say, oh, I want you to be my mentor. I'm like, well, I, I don't know you, right? Like, <laughs> um, so, you know, because it has to be someone who, who knows you or who is introduced to you or who has comes to know you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and takes an interest because if, 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 if that part is missing, then it's, it's, it's hard uh, for the, for the mentor um, as well. Yeah. So, but I think mentorship is very important um, and something that I'd encourage, you know, and it doesn't have to be that you go to someone who, you know, is, um, you've read about, etc. It's more you, people who know you who are in your life circle um, can be mentors. They don't have to have done the same, same thing that you're trying to do, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's that's very interesting is uh, finding a trusted person that you can share with because uh, particularly the ride as an entrepreneur is is a tough one. And I'm sure you would agree. It's uh, uh, it's very grueling and having those people around you that you can share with and get advice and feedback just on, on life in general sometimes is, is quite, quite important, quite necessary to the to the journey as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And what advice would you give to those bandits that are listening that are afraid to take that next step that they know they should? Yeah, I mean, look, if you are, you know, ready to become an entrepreneur, I would say do it. Um, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't uh, mix up risk versus ambiguity. Um, you know, a lot of people do. And the thing about entrepreneurship is you have to be comfortable with ambiguity. Yeah. Uh, and that means, you know, not knowing where, what will happen tomorrow. Mm. But you do everything in your power to mitigate risk. Mm. Um, and that's what it's about thinking about your business and thinking about the steps you need to take and thinking about how you drive it and how you grow it. Mm. Um, but you know, if you are, but I would really recommend only to do things that you're passionate about. Mm. Um, if you don't, if you're not passionate and don't believe in what you're, you're doing, um, you, you know, the first, first ch challenge you face is going to be tough mm. uh, you're going to, you know, probably back away. Um, you know, because those challenges will come and they'll keep coming. Um, and you know, new ones that you don't expect will come as well. Yeah. So it's about getting comfortable with, you know, if you're passionate about something, you, you, you will, you will have the tenacity to, to drive through it. Um, but you have to be very comfortable with ambiguity. Mm -hmm. And f from your experience, what you've experienced so far in Lagos, for those who are interested in tech and who have a tech background, uh, what are a few specific areas in tech that you think people can add a lot of value? So I think, you know, in Nigeria right now, I think tech um, opportunities are that are ready for the market are not that many. Um, hmm. So I actually generally would say to people, look, if you have a tech background, go think about um, businesses in, in non-tech sectors that could be tech enabled. Mm. Um, but where the actual business itself is not a tech business, right? Mm. So, mm -hmm. you know, as an example, there are a couple of different companies that recently launched logistics businesses, right? Mm. These are not mm -hmm. tech businesses, right? But they're, yeah. they're using technology to make the logistics uh, work, right? Yeah. Um, but but fundamentally, they're not tech businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, and but that, it's things like that, right? It's saying where because I think where we are as an economy, where we are as a market, is still on the basics of mm. a lot things you know um, what I want is you know I want I want a butcher shop right I just want to get my meat know that it's well taken care of and you know that da, 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 right mm -hmm. I, you know that's what people um, you know I know I want to be able to pay for it so that's one thing but like but I want to but I want to, but I want to just get my meat mm -hmm. um, I want to go to the mall I want to go shopping I want to, I want to have an experience I want to go to movies you know like they're just basic things that, that um, I think is, is really where the economy is now. So, so my advice to tech entrepreneurs or people who want to, you know, who are techie is to think about it more holistically mm. and not think of tech for the sake of tech, mm. um, but to actually think about what the real businesses are um, and, and then, you know, leverage their tech backgrounds to see how you can disrupt it. But 
Hmm. I think that's really good advice for for those people who are listening. Um, it's always important to talk to people on the ground before even uh, setting up and going too far, because oftentimes you might find uh, just through talking with a few people, it completely changes the direction you're moving in. Correct. And unfortunately, as we as we say goodbye, uh, for some of those listeners that have been particularly inspired by the work you're doing with Paga and also um, uh, just inspired by your story in general, what are some opportunities for internships or maybe even just uh, connecting for some advice with you? I'm very open to reach me um, on my email. It's just tayo at pagatech.com. Mm. Um, in terms of internships, it really just depends on on the on the area the person is interested in, and if mm. we have an opportunity, we do some internships. Um, generally, more um, MBA internships. Okay. Um, but but here and there, we we also look at other opportunities. Um, you know, one of the challenges with um, bringing interns from you know outside of Nigeria is just one of the cost associated to flights and accommodation and that kind of stuff. Mm. So, you know, in as much as those things are, you know, easily dealt with, then it becomes uh, an easier conversation. Mm. But, um, but yeah, but we, we, we do, you know, if anyone's interested, they can feel free to reach out. Okay. And uh, do you have Twitter, uh, Instagram, all those yeah. things that you can uh, share with the bandits as well? Yeah, um, you can reach me on, on Twitter. I'm at, uh, my handle is at Oviosu, O-V-I-O-S-U. Uh, my Instagram is private, um, mm. but um, I'm, I'm available on Twitter. Okay. And uh, as, we, as we leave, uh, I'd like to ask the final question. Yes. You're tasked with building the greatest business the world has ever seen. You can bring on any two people, living or dead. With you taking the lead, who would you bring on and what would you do? I would bring on um, one person I've met but never worked with, um, and one person I have I have worked with. I would bring the person I have worked with um, is Chris Bradford. Mm. Um, he is the co-founder of the African Leadership Academy, um, and 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 probably the smartest person I've ever met. Mm. Um, and 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 the person I've the other person I've met but not worked with is Colin Powell. Mm. Um, and, and I feel like I'll, I'll bring him on, on, on that. And I think um, the one business we will, we will go after is, um, you know, doing, ex you know, I guess I'm building on what I'm doing here. It's, mm. uh, you know, building a, a digital financial solution for, for, for the mass market. Um, mm. and, and I think that that's going to have a lot of impact on, on people. Um, and we'll go do it at a bigger scale. Mm. And Bandits, there you have it. The Dream Team, Chris Bradford, Colin Powell, and Tayo taking the lead on that. Cool. Um, Arum, thank you very much for having me on The Bandits. Um, I really do appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Stay inspired. All right. Thank you. Yeah. This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher. You can also follow Knowledge Bandits on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, Bandits, stay inspired.